Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Great Quarter Guys. I am your host, Andrew Cox. I'm here with the younger, better looking Mr. Kevin Hill, my co-host. How are we, Kevin? Doing good today. 26 weeks. Is that six months? That is right. Well, we had this debate a second ago, whether whether this is six month, uh, the, the six month reunion or not, because we've had 26 episodes that could be half a year or 24 weeks could also be six months, four times six, 24. I don't sure. know. It doesn't matter. Either way, we got a great show for you today. Uh, we are going to run through a couple companies in our earnings season. We've got Night Swift coming up as well as Landstar and ODFL, some of the best in the biz. But we can give a little update to last week's long short. We, you know, we've been doing a little update of the last week's uh, long short. Both of them were really long-term things. They, they were, uh, we were questioning whether XPO would have another acquisition. That is, of course, in the air. And we questioned whether oil would ever reach $50 a barrel again. Uh, we're still, that one's, of course, in the air. What is it now? Something in the, yeah, 20, I, I guess they're, they're both range. in the air. I, I, I think we can both pretty well say that, that oil is not going to reach $50 a barrel in June or yeah, for the certainly. June contract because I think it's trading around $10 right now. So it is headed south very quickly and a lot of stories are coming out right now where there's no storage capacity and that's becoming a narrative whether that's absolutely true or not um, it's certainly a narrative and uh, a good one would be you know will oil go below zero on may 20th 21st whenever that that expiration is it's likely. I mean, we've seen all of these vessels being used as just open water storage units. I mean, just thousands of them out on the open water right now, just carrying oil because we don't have anywhere to put them on land. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a crazy time for oil. Ships without destinations. That's right, just just floating along like it's the uh, like the like the Carnival cruise ships a couple months ago. Uh, okay, so back to uh, back to it. We're at our long at our excuse me, our uh, one piece, one good piece, our, our new segment we started a couple weeks ago, which is my attempt to try to find some good data in this time of absolute terrible data. Uh, but I do have some good one for you this week. Last week, we talked about the freight volume stabilizing. We thought uh, that may have been the bottom. It seems that it is. There are some positive signs in a lot of the bigger markets in the U.S. that things are beginning to to, to tighten up and, and, and get better. Uh, so that was last week. This week, we have the Bank of America credit and debit card spending. I talked about this on the coronavirus market update this morning. Uh, and this is actually a really good sign. We only have the data through the 16th. So two weeks ago, we'll have new data from Bank of America at the end of this week. So we'll keep you updated there. Uh, but there's a couple takeaways that I think are really good and constructive for freight volumes and the overall economy. Uh, the first one is that consumer spending has bottomed in pretty much every every category across the board. Uh, they break it down into 15 or so categories, and, and almost every one of them has bottomed and are now improving through the end of uh, two weeks ago. And e-commerce was a bright spot. I mean, people are having to buy things online because their favorite stores are closed. But in any case, the e-commerce growth has been significant. It's up uh, over 50% year over year, and in, in if you average out the last two weeks that we have data for. Uh, a third a third note was that grocery spending actually begun to pick up. You know, we saw that massive pull forward that caused the freight frenzy, and, and everything was crazy there at the end of March. And then it then you saw grocery spending really fall off because people had everything they needed. You're seeing that now pick up again, which is which is good for everyone. Uh, and then the stimulus checks. If you look at the, w- the when the data hit, when the uh, when our data changed on the 15th, that was when a lot of people got their stimulus checks for the first time. You see an immediate bounce. Uh, you see online electronics jump up uh, over 150 percent year over year uh, towards the end of the week, and, and total online spending jumping up incredibly too. So. All in all, I think my takeaways are that consumer spending, people are, people really want to be spending some money, uh, even at least, you know, some people are having to pay the bills, but there are a lot of people out there that are looking to spend money. And I think once we open up this economy uh, on a wider scale, people are going to be spending a lot of money. I just do. And, and when you're looking at the Bank of America, 
And you can go see this at FruitWaves.com on the DHL Supply Chain Price of Power Index. That's there on the front page on your right. Uh, we have this chart in here from from last week, and it's it's an interesting chart to to say the least, right? Where where you think that spending has crashed, it has. Uh, there's some surprises on here, though. You know, travel and lodging are near 100 percent decreases year over year, which you know, if only three or four percent of the the same amount of people are flying and and no one's traveling, you would certainly expect uh, online electronics for the last t- couple of weeks. I mean, they were down or, or a little bit flat. Uh, is that stimulus check? I think one hundred sixty one percent. The day the stimulus checks hit. The, the day the stimulus you know, checks I gotta think hit. People went out so, and bought some Xboxes uh, and, and Xboxes, TVs and, and everything else. Rented some movies, bought some movies on Amazon, things like that, and then home improvement. Right, a lot of the discretionary spending is well below last year levels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, food is is not is essential, not exception, discretionary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but home improvement was up twenty three percent. You've seen, I mean, we've seen this Michael Vincent here and in office and people, everybody's yeah. painting their houses. Everybody's building something in mm-hmm. the backyard. You know, people have a lot of time on their hands. And if you drive by a Lowe's or Home Depot or a Ace, Ace Hardware, those parking lots are completely and utterly full all the time. So everyone's working from home and painting something. I, everyone I know has painted at least one room in the house. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing is uh, they're doing a lot of work outside, but some of them are doing work inside in the in the kitchen is something I see here that mm-hmm. you, know, you look at kitchen appliances or, or uh, small in-home appliances. Those have gone way up as well, whether they're being yep. panini makers or air fryers. I mean, all of my friends have seemingly bought an air fryer in the last couple of weeks. They're, they're trying to learn how to cook. Uh, none of you can, but it's it's fun <laughs> to watch. It's it's There are some things that are moving off the shelves pretty are pretty quick. There is, yeah. Everyone's redoing a, a room in their house, uh, internal painting as well, or indoor painting. Uh, so, so there's a lot of home improvement, and you know, e-commerce is of course doing well. Everything else, uh, you know, basically clothing, gas, gas is a big surprise too. Down fifty, basically fifty percent, right? That's forty-seven percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is it a surprise? Nobody, nobody's really I, driving. I haven't filled up in two months. So. Yeah, I, mean, I was, I was thinking the same thing. And even if I, when I do fill up, my gas price is half of what I would oh, yeah. expect it to be, or, or yeah. at where it was last year. Uh, I drive so. a mile to the office, a mile back, and that's primarily that's that's been it. Yeah, I was creating a new budget for myself through the summer, and I was like, okay, gas costs, and I was like, well, they used to be X, but now they're about fifty percent less than that. So I mean, I'm literally filling up once a month, and it costs me twenty bucks. So yeah, it's just. You know, bad for the oil and gas producers, really good for the consumer. That is correct. Yeah, the oil market is a crazy market right now. So you want to let's jump into earnings season? It's about, let's do it. We're about, we're about past one good piece. Uh, I'll bring you another one next week. It, I'm sure it won't be easy to find, but uh, we will it's find easier it. easier and easier to find. It is getting, it's getting easier. It really is. It is. It's getting better, uh, which is good news. So we've got three companies for you today. We've got two of the best in the business. We've got one of the best truckload carriers in Knight Swift. We've got a dominant LTL and very efficient uh, player in uh, Old Dominion, and then we'll talk about Landstar as well, so we can get a little bit of that brokerage space. Starting it off with Night Swift, I mean, of course, there are going to be inevitable bad news. Their the revenue declines are, are likely for most people. Their their EPS was down twenty percent year over year, uh, but they did beat estimates, uh, all the street estimates and, and analyst estimates, because they have a strong focus on cost control. And this is this is really the big point of uh, of focus for me when we're, we're talking about um, we're talking about Night Swift is that they've just continued to prove that they're the best in the business at responding to changing market conditions and ensuring that they're uh, in a good space. They have. 
they've taken their mix of business and and shifted their capacity away from people, away from their customers with heavy declines in demand, and to the people that are moving essential goods, grocery and food and consumer staples. That pre-crisis they were at 61% uh, essential mix, and now they're at 72% essential mix by the end of the quarter. Yeah, that's one of the things that, that really struck me whenever we looked back. I, it was one of our earliest episodes, I think. So it was four or five months ago. We we looked at the the Knight Swift acquisition and integration, how it was going uh, a year plus since the acquisition. And you had Knight that bought Swift. Knight was about a quarter of the revenue size uh, that Swift was, but they're both valued roughly the same, around $3 billion, right? Uh, so they're very efficient. They're very strategic. They have a really good management team in, in place. And to, to see them do that through this quarter, uh, the, the first quarter mixed shift over to more essential products or customers with uh, essential products is, is something that, uh, in retrospect, it's, it's to be expected. I mean, it's not too much of a surprise that they, they were able to do that. Uh, April has been challenging like it has been for all truckload carriers and, and LTL carriers, as we'll see in just a second as well. Yeah, uh, they they noted that they were seeing a significant declines towards the la- the last week of March through the in the first week of April. They were seeing a double digit decline in volumes in that first week of April, which makes sense if you look at our up on tender volume index. It's mm-hmm. also down about eleven or twelve percent year over year. But uh, you know, more good news for for Night Swift. They br- they actually brought down their OR during this uh, during the first quarter down thirty basis points to eighty six and a half. And as you mentioned a minute ago about the the differing or about the same valuations but much different size between Night and Swift uh, before they merged but or before they became one you know Knight is historically the the, the better the most well-run uh, truck truckload company they've historically had low 80s OR and and they still break them down in their uh, reports they had Knight is currently at 83 and a half percent OR and Swift is still coming down uh, when they bought it I believe it was still in the in the in the low mm-hmm. 90s uh, and they've brought it all the way down to 87.6 so again just continuing to to chip off and bring try to integrate that uh, the Swift part of the business down to the Knight operating levels yeah, and they also said during their, their earnings call that April was about 11% down in volumes uh, in the first couple weeks uh, of, of April. So uh, volumes are coming down, and this coming down really across the board, uh, as well as uh, pulling guidance, which I think is, is what every truckload carrier, every transportation, most logistics companies are basically pulling guidance right now because uh, who knows what's going to be the story for, for Q2. Why? Well, think maybe the industrials might come online in Q2. So Q1 was all about consumer essentials, food, toilet paper, of course, right? Yep. Uh, anything that was a panic buy. But I think restarting a lot of the, the, the factories and, and auto plants as well coming into the middle of May, uh, you're going to see all, all those supply chains have, you know, a lot of those are just-in-time manufacturing too. Uh, and a lot of those inventories probably weren't set for everyone to go home for for three to four weeks or or longer, six weeks, seven weeks. Uh, So I think you're going to see a lot of chaos in that part of the market, and that's at least going to put a floor under everything else. It might lift it up, and you might see certainly probably not 30% year-over-year volumes like we saw in in early March, but you're going to see a lot of volatility coming to outbound tender volumes and also maybe rejections as well. Which would be welcome news, especially for rejections. Yeah, before we hop back to Night Swift, I think it's important to talk a little bit about the auto manufacturing plants. We've we've seen that uh, the big Detroit manufacturers, GM, Chrysler, Ford, they've all been meeting with the state of Michigan for 
you know, the last couple of weeks now trying to get a plan in place for when they could reopen. And they actually set a date. Uh, they came up with a date for May 18th mm-hmm. as their kind of uh, soft reopening where they have some production being brought up back online. And I talked to Anthony about this on FreightWaves Now today. I think that the audio manufacturing uh, sector is really well positioned to kind of make the blueprint for what the wider uh, industrial economy reopening would look like. And I think there's a couple of reasons. One is that uh, I think they're well positioned in Detroit to, to, to create a safe environment because of the union um, mm-hmm. The union influence. I'm hoping that you know the union bargaining will be able to get safer conditions and and all of the protective equipment they need. But also because the way that manufacturing is set up in automotive with the conveyor belts, they're they're much less densely populated of of warehouses than say an Amazon uh, fulfillment warehouse or the or meat, meat processors. Yes. Right, exactly. So I'm hoping they they can learn from those mistakes of the meat processors and just the inherent um, variables that make it you know less infected. Uh, I think that they can really do this correctly. Hopefully, can do this correctly and then give the layout to the rest of the. And, and I've been hearing that as well that they are that they are studying meat processing plants uh, and then other facilities that are open right now, finding out what their mistakes are or were in, in those. You know how how to social distance, and I think they're collaborating too. And, and a lot of that has to do with the unionized workforce, right? Because the unions represent uh, workers in, in all three plants, so the same union does, right? Right. Um, there's more than one union, of course, uh, but, but they represent employees and multiple employers. So it's it's really uh, it's really conducive to the auto industry and, and going forward for them to come up with a plan. And they have great engineers too, great engineers. So industrial engineers, mechanical engineers. So I think they're going to come up with a, a the, the best blueprint out there, and hopefully that's the uh, that that's the standard for everyone else as well. One can only hope. I mean, we, 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 are, uh, we are an economy of consumers, but also an economy of, still of manufacturers, even though it's dwindled down over the last 50 years. We need to get that, that backbone of the economy up and running. But back to Night Swift, uh, to finish up their, Q, their Q1, they, you know, they did pull guidance. They're expecting Q2 to be ugly, as is most everybody. Uh, you know, they did have two months of pretty normal, uh, normal volumes, normal mm-hmm. uh, operations before that whole freight frenzy at the end of, beginning of March. Uh, but, you know, Night Swift continues to operate through the COVID-19 pandemic with a really diverse customer base, even though that they've they've shifted away from or shifted towards more essential businesses. They've still got a really diverse customer base uh, and they have their agile. They're really able to move capacity back and mm-hmm. forth, which is, you know, it positions them to be able to weather uh, very storm. well run company, very efficient. And, and they'll, they'll weather the storm very well. Yeah. As you said, in hindsight, it really shouldn't be surprising that the best run truckload carrier per- performed pretty well. So let's, uh, let's move on to the, the best run. LTL, LTL yeah, let's do it. So this is Old Dominion, of course. They are historically just a very efficient, tight-run company. Uh, their EPS was actually up year-over-year. They they uh, had EPS up 1% year-over-year, uh, which was just shy of the street's estimates, but some of those estimates didn't include that they had $10 million uh, in excess bonuses that they paid to to workers working through COVID. So that's that's mm-hmm. awesome to hear. Uh, the brightest spot for them was, again, just continuing to bring down the operating ratio. They've brought it all the way down to 81.4, right. lowest, in, lowest in record. I, it's it's a, they just keep on bringing it down, bringing it down slowly right now, but surely and 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 they are and another thing and I don't want to skip all around, but they're saying that two thirds of their their operating costs or they 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 deem as variable costs, yeah. which is 
Well, that's really help, that's really helpful right? to have when your when when your revenues drop down twenty or thirty percent, mm-hmm. uh, your daily revenues drop twenty percent to be able to have. I want to have an asset base. So someone with so many terminals and so many assets can have two thirds of the costs as variable costs. Well, they might consider some of their workforce to be variable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this. I, you I, know, I it's hard. Yes. It's unfortunate to celebrate them shaving off fifteen percent of the workforce, which is what we're kind of sadly doing here, uh, talking about the operating ratio mm-hmm. coming down. But they did lay off fifteen percent of the workforce. They've they've idled a lot of trucks uh, and a lot of uh, service centers. To kind of try to match that decline in demand. Yeah, and then the, the volumes down. I think April volumes, right? We're, we're down. Tw- so first quarter volumes were down ten percent. Yes, and then yep. so far in April, and that covers the first couple weeks before they reported last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple weeks of April were down twenty five percent. Yeah, re- that's revenue, we've revenue been down twenty percent. Re- revenue down twenty twenty five percent. Tonnage was up a little bit though. Yeah. Right. Yes, correct. The the yeah. impact of tonnage has been pretty modest uh, for ODFL. Mm-hmm. Their their weight per shipment was actually up ten percent uh, in April. So they're having yeah. much much fewer shipments, but higher weight uh, again because they're, they're. And part of that is the, the, the exposure to LTL has to uh, small businesses. Correct. Right. And and the shutdown economic, uh, ec- the, the economic shutdown for small businesses has really hurt LTL across the board. Just like uh, just. Just like Night Swift, they have management has both said that they expect the bottom to be coming very soon. This is something that you know we, we've been battling here back and forth at Freight Waves on whether, where the bottom's going to be. But whether the bottom is is one day ahead or, or two weeks ahead, I, this is just a crazy stat to me. That the stock is just it's just crazy expensive. It's unbelievable. It's now trading mm-hmm. at all time high for forward PE ratios. It historically trades uh, around sixteen and a half percent. It's now trading at twenty nine percent. Kevin, uh, it's insane. I you sent me a, I think it was Bank of America. Uh, research report was it Bank of America it was, yeah. or earlier today and reading it and if, if you look at any of the, the analysts who cover ODFL they're all underweight yeah I mean they're all and like great is, company underperform. It's, a, it's a great company they're all underweight underperform and that's where the when those contradictions uh, with stocks versus the company come in right. they're valued probably too high because they're such a good company that they're, 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 they're overvalued yeah, Which is just, not a bad thing for a company to be overvalued, but as an investor, uh, you're you're paying a lot for a, a great name, and you want that price to come down. You want to buy it and sell, right? Yeah, there's really not. There's only a couple um, instances of 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 truly a management premium that you get on a company in the transportation mm-hmm. sector. A lot of these companies are, are are valued very close to each other, but Night Swift is one, and and ODFL is definitely another where they mm-hmm. get they get a, a very serious premium because of how well their company runs and and how much investors trust their their management. And they both get those. You're exactly right. They both get those those great premiums, and then that's the reason why uh, ODFL. Everyone's underweight ODFL. I mean, they're, they're, they're such a great a, company and everyone wants to own them. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, in the LTL space, there's not that many pure play players that you can go out, that you can go this SAIA, uh, you know, there's a handful of others there yeah. that, that are yeah, not, just handful, SIA, yeah. uh, that are not, you know, that they're, they're just not that big of companies. One, there's only four or five that we track mm-hmm. in our, in our weekly LTL index. So there's just not many there. That's why they get that premium. Yeah. Uh, so next to to a brokerage, we're going to talk about Landstar a little bit. We wanted to get yes. a little bit of the asset light uh, space into our earnings coverage, and uh, so Landstar can, is, is one of those that have that they have the unique business model, right? So you have the probably the best truckload operator, the best LTL operator, and then you have Landstar that's that's unique because they have. BCOs. Yes, the business capacity owners. Business capacity owners, which are those owner operators that lease on to Landstore, so they're asset light. They don't actually right. own the trucks, so they're leased on. 
and by far the largest uh, business model like that. And I think the only public company that that really concentrates that runs on the it. agent yeah. agent model with right, the agent yeah. model for the sales where it's it was commission only. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, they had they had EPS uh, of of one ten per share of a dollar ten. This is again massively down from last year. Uh, it was at a dollar fifty eight in Q one twenty nineteen. So again, uh, brokerage revenues are just are down considerably. If we if we break down into the different segments a little bit, uh, revenue total revenue was down ten percent year over year. Uh, drive van was down the most. It was down twelve percent year over year, and that was mostly from uh, loads. They they lost a little bit. Uh, revenue per load was down, but loads volumes were down seven percent there. So that uh, takes to cake. Uh, flatbed volumes were down eight percent, you know, or flatbed revenue, excuse me, was down eight percent, and LTL held up a little better. Uh, it was only down two percent, while loads were up considerably, up uh, up nine percent. Though they were, and you know, the flatbed numbers only being down nine percent is uh, kind of bullish a little bit. If you look at what happened to oil, yeah, to how bad what happened and, to auto, yeah, and manufacturing and industrial, it's it's pretty encouraging to you see know, that they were able 9%. to increase loads. And I, I've been hearing that from my friends who move a lot of flatbed stuff. That is, is the market's really not as bad as as what I would have expected, it, which is. Which is good. Yeah, it's definitely good. Uh, and they actually expanded gross margin. They were able to grow at thirty basis points, uh, up to fifteen point four percent. I I haven't run numbers recently on on industry averages right now, but I'd say during this, that's a pretty strong number, fifteen uh, percent. It is. It's a very strong number. I remember we, we were talking about what JB Hunt last week that it fell to I believe low low teens, uh, eleven or twelve, right? It did. Yeah, so, it, it was um it was high single digits, like nine point one nine nine point two percent. So yeah, uh, so they expanded gross margin. That is great, but the bad news: uh, April volumes <laughs> down There's 20, bad news 20 to thirty percent so far in April. Uh, yeah, and then that was that was from the call, right? Yep. And whenever management says, you know, our load volumes are down twenty to thirty percent in April, uh, it's that's pretty serious. Not good. I mean, this is compared is. to uh, to minus fourteen percent the last week of March. So uh, you know, a, a significant increase uh in the decline of, of volumes and then only negative five percent for the majority of q1 so and what things was are getting swift on in, in april did they have a number I, I can't remember if they had a number of uh, like like a true volume number yes they're, they're seeing april april volumes uh down in the high single digits High single digits, okay, yeah. and they're, they're more concentrated in the, the food. Yes, they've been able to pivot away from uh, pivot towards more essential yeah. stuff. Which yes. Amazon has a lot of essential. I, I don't know what exactly the mix is, but I know that they do a lot of your your normal manufacturing, um, discretionary type of type of business. So yeah, being down twenty to thirty percent is is rough for any business. And again, that's you know one of the reasons that they pulled guidance, as did the other two companies we've spoken about. They're uh, uh, they, they've, they've management said on the call that they thought pricing has actually held up pretty well so far this year. Uh, but again, one of their reasons for uh, pulling guidance is because they they expected that, that to change very quickly. True, and and they're they'll they'll be big winners if the industrial economy. You know, I, I keep on going back to auto because it's 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 very recognizable. It's easy to talk about. But you have a lot of you know steel, oil and gas and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but auto, other industrials like that. If if basically those do come back, that that second half, like late May, June, see some sign or any sign of reawakening, which it sounds like they probably will. Uh, that, that should be very bullish for for second quarter. Yeah, I mean, the back- maybe the opposite of the, the first quarter, right? Where everything were, was basically in line until March, mm-hmm. and then everything shot up. But, you know, starting out in April, everything is sliding 10%, 20% uh, down. 
the the quarter might be saved with the second half. Yeah, I mean, it might happen, you know, speaking for the carriers, it might happen at a good time where they get a lot of influx of produce uh, coming in in, mm-hmm. in that late May, early June. Uh, there, there might be some other factors there, increased uh, uh, drink consumption that we typically have in the summer. There mm-hmm. are some things that could be in play, just that normal summer peak that happens as the industrial economy gets back on the way. So the industrial economy, I, I think it's, it's going to be very volatile just because everything is, is really just in time. It needs to be produced. And when things need to, when still needs to go from A to B, and coming from someone who has shut down an auto plant because the truck didn't arrive. Everything's pretty expedited at that point. Well, listen, to, you know, I, I told Anthony the other day is that people think of, you know, the manufacturing economy, but it's specifically, you know, the industrial manufacturing economy as this conveyor belt that can just be turned on and off. But it's more like a ballet, man. There's a it lot is. of it delicate is. balancing parts. And if you look at the auto industry, I mean, Canada has been shut down. Mexico has been shut down. Right. A lot of those parts that, that feed in yep. and feed back out go to those two countries as well. So it's really a North America thing. And that 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 ballet is, or that music, or the the steps are, are completely out of whack right now. Yeah, it the rhythm. Like, that's it. The, the, the rhythm is yeah, something you're lacking. Yeah, it's something I very much <laughs> lack. Yes. All right. Well, uh, let's get back in rhythm here with the DHL supply chain pricing power index. Well, we've moved on from our our our, uh, our earnings season update. Uh, we're down another 10 points this week. You know, a little update. Zero would be all the power to the shippers, 100 mm-hmm. all the power to the carriers. We've now fallen all the way to 15. This is tied for the lowest point of, uh, of the series history. We've been doing this since September. Uh, and our reasons for doing this is, you know, volumes are still depressed. They are seeming to find a bottom that we, we may actually see that volumes are up week over week uh, this time next week. But rejection rates are just in the tank. They're, they're under 3% now. They are. They keep on sliding. I, mean, I, I think day. we're only about 1% below last Wednesday. Yeah, I think or we're Tuesday, at 2.64% or something. I think that's yeah, the date today. Yeah. So I think by Thursday, we might have a positive week. It's true. Week over week under a belt. So we can maybe move it up a little bit. But yeah, the, the rejections. I mean, monitoring monitoring how those rejection rates are going to move uh, as the volume start to pick up is going to be really important to, for me to see if any of those drivers mm-hmm. that parked their trucks have kept them parked. Are we going to, you know, we already had overcapacity issues prior to COVID-19, prior to there being Christmas Day volumes for a couple of weeks. So is 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 this environment, is this COVID lack of volume going to push anybody out of the market? Are they going to stay out of the market? That's something we're going to have to monitor. Well, we, we do the uh, coronavirus freight market update. Uh, we did it earlier today, every Tuesday and Thursday. And especially on those tr- those shows and, and with the truck, too, I think they get a lot of comments about drivers who, you know, they, 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 t- they, they call in, type in, saying that they've parked their truck. Yeah. They've been parked for two weeks or three weeks just because of the spot rates. And then there, you have this whole uh, discussion in, in the freight world about spot rates and, and freight brokers just gouging and, mm-hmm. and kind of that, that battle between trucks and, and brokers. And that's really heated and it's been heated for the last couple of weeks. So, and it's all tied that, you know, 2.69, 2.61% rejection rate, which is uh, you can't really fall too much lower. I no, mean, it's, it seems to be the natural. Once you get there, I mean, the there's floor. probably not much of a difference between 2.5% and 0%. Right? Not at all. No, uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, Let's go ahead and go to our long short. We're, we're on that truncated time frame today. We're going to be in yes. and out uh, in 30 minutes, so we'll, we'll get through this long short real quick. Uh, a company that I've been pretty excited for that has been th- has been trying to go public for a couple years now. They finally uh, did it through uh, through a, a blank check, kind of a, a non uh, 
a non-normal route to to public um, to public markets. But this was DraftKings. This is, of course, the, they started as the daily fantasy company back in 2012, where they would play uh, daily games. Started with football. They've now expanded to not only have daily fantasy, but they've got online sports gambling and online casino gambling. Uh, so they've got pretty much their three. Uh, money makers, Kevin, are you are you long or are you short the idea of DraftKings becoming the the household name for online sports gambling? So, uh, how did they merge? Or no, they didn't merge. How did they go public? So they, was they, it they it's basically like a spac. Yeah, a SPAC, so, okay. yeah. It's okay. basically a special special acquisition uh, vehicle. They they merged with a company that was already public in 2019 for 10 bucks okay. a share. Uh, they traded up 10 percent on their opening day mm-hmm. of trading. I think was. Yesterday or Friday, uh, I can't, oh, yeah. can't remember. Friday or Monday, traded up ten percent. They've fallen back down now. But what do you think? Are you long or short? I'm them somewhat being the familiar. I, I I remember maybe they they had a one advertisement. Out yeah, they had a very. They, they were they, they were had huge like five advertisements. Advertisement. I, mean, I mean, it was like every single commercial. You were watching a football draft, every game. Kings, yeah, or, FanDuel, or whoever or the, FanDuel, the FanDuel yes. was the other one. Yeah, FanDuel. They tried to merge and they didn't allow it. That's uh, exactly right yeah. because they had cornered the uh, sports yeah, the only, betting slash fantasy football market yeah uh you know what i i think um i'm short because i don't think online gambling's here yet okay and i i, th- I think like barstool sports would give them a run for the money right yep. I, Pen, I think they're Pen very national. well positioned to capitalize on national online sports sports betting and so so i don't think so i think their their real day in the sun uh came and went when they're advertising Whenever they got barred from advertising, I think. I think it was that they got barred from advertising yeah. on, on TV. I think they did. They overdid it a bit. I'm, I'm actually short as well. I'm, not because I'm not... I'm very long, the idea of online sports gambling, I think. Yeah. But I just think there's going to be a lot of different players. I don't think there's any one player that's going to uh, emerge as the, as the dominant... Uh, the dominant position i think penn national with with barstool sports will mm-hmm. be good i think every every mgm grand and every online every normal sports gambling place they're going to have their own online books it'll be a very uh diverse and and i mean there was anything market. that really differentiated uh DraftKings or fanduel at all it was all a marketing play and that marketing play is not gonna, they're, yeah, they're never going to be able to outspend everybody else like they did when they first started and they were original yeah, you know, because it wasn't betting; it was fantasy football, and yeah, and everything changed in 2018 when the when the federal law changed to mm-hmm. allow states to decide about online gambling, which was good for them. But now they just have to pretty much <laughs> uh, they have to lobby with every, each and every state to get these things passed, which is not cheap. That is not cheap, and and probably they're not in the best position. I think MGM Grand and and, yeah. and places like you know, Hard players. Rock, even yeah, you know, Hard Rock that operates in, in many different states. Uh, Windstar, they're in probably just as good, if not better, position as another as another terrible point. I wanted to say uh, the CEO contains retains ninety percent of the voting rights uh, on the stock. Yeah, so I'm definitely short. <laughs> so, yeah. That is really not a good situation. Yeah, not no bueno there. Uh, yeah. Okay, another long short. This one will be a little bit more fun. We have had a lot of news, and let, let's. Let's hope that there's an NFL season. We'll talk a little bit about this one. There, well, let's go longer short. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their newly, uh, with their newly, with their new quarterback and, and Rob Gronkowski coming out of 
out of retirement. They're expecting nine wins in Vegas. Kevin Hill, you over or under nine wins? Which one time? So I'm going to go over if they play a game. Yep, I agree. I, I think they'll, they'll get ten. What about you? Well, I agree. I think they're over. They drafted uh, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, so I'm now a Bucks fan. Uh, yeah, so I'm over on the Bucks. We'll give the quick plugs. Next week we are live, FreightWaves Live, at home with Ben Gordon, the founder of Cambridge Capital, a, a prominent PE firm here in the industrial or here in the uh, transportation, transportation sector. So we'll have him on for for a long discussion and. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff coming up this week. Coronavirus, what the truck, put that coffee down, coming on tomorrow. What are you guys mm-hmm. talking about? We're not talk about side hustling, doing your own business, putting in time to learn new skills. All right. So perfect for you and Dooner. Uh, talking about side hustles, make sure to tune in tomorrow. This has been episode 26. We're on a six-day, 23-hour break. See you next week.